You are listening to Mindfully Well with Mel, episode number 32. Hey friends, welcome to Mindfully Well with Mel. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I'm a registered nurse, certified functional nutritionist, and life coach who empowers busy women to attain the life they love and to feel well inside and out. This podcast dives deep into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of what it looks like to live mindfully well. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to today's episode. Before I get into what I'm talking about, which is food stress, I want to let you know that enrollment for the Live Well Project is open. The Live Well Project is an eight-week project designed to ignite your energy with whole foods and stress management. We are going to reclaim your balance, we're going to revitalize, and we're going to thrive this summer. We're not going to run around and be overwhelmed, underslept, underfueled, running around with children, and get to August and be completely depleted. Not this summer. This summer, we're going to take care of you. This summer, we're going to unleash your potential with proper nourishment for your mind, your body, and your soul. The Livewell Project is all about balancing your hormones with stress management and food practices while also focusing on your circadian rhythm. We're going to find freedom from dieting and you're going to find food clarity because you have the option to have custom nutrition designed by me. We're going to focus on stress management through lots of nervous system practices. We're going to do meditation and breath work and movement and lots of beautiful tools that are going to help you get out of your fight or flight and into your rest and your digest. We're going to learn about thinking about foods ahead of time while still enjoying your favorite foods of the summer. And most importantly, we're going to learn about self-love, discipline, and compassion. This isn't a diet. This isn't a challenge. This is a living well program. It's for eight weeks. It's my lowest cost program. And it's the first place to start when you want to work with me. If you've done the live well project before, you can do it again. This round, we're going to also be working around boundaries. If you did Buddha bowls and boundaries, you know what we've been talking about for the last week. If you haven't, don't worry, you haven't missed out. You can either sign up for Buddha Bowls and Boundaries, or you can join me in the Livewell Project, where we're going to take everything we learned in Buddha Bowls and Boundaries, and we're actually going to implement, and we're going to learn how to filter out the amount of stress coming into your stress bucket. So this round, we're not only focusing on what's coming into your bucket, we're focusing on how we're draining our bucket. Remember the stress bucket that I always talk about. If you are new to me and you haven't heard of it before, go back to episode three. I'm always going to refer you back to that episode. So um, please listen to that. That's how I describe stress. And this summer, we're truly going to thrive instead of ending up in August as a dried up raisin. So join me. Enrollment is open now. Enrollment closes June 18. It's eight weeks. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be diet E. We're not losing weight in the level project. We're truly taking care of ourselves. Speaking of taking care of ourselves, in this week's podcast, we're talking about food stress, right? So the level project is about stress. 
It's also about food stress. And so I want you to see how food can create more stress in your body. I'm not talking about emotional eating as in eating because you feel a certain way. I'm talking about how foods cause you to feel stressed. For example, I'm annoyed at my kids, so I eat some dark chocolate to feel better for a short amount of time. That's emotional eating versus stress eating, which is I eat a bowl of ice cream for dinner instead of a nutritious meal. How is it impacting my body with the blood sugar spike with an insulin release? and then a cortisol release, which is all stemmed from your HPA access, aka your fight or flight system. Food stress is the food you are eating and it impacts your nervous system. We don't talk about stress in that way, do we? Often when we address stress, we think the life stress, traffic, work, emails, relationships, but the food we eat is information for our body. What is the food you eat on a daily basis telling your cells? Things are good here or things are bad here. Today's podcast topic isn't for shaming you for eating foods that cause stress, rather to help you see that maybe how you feel is related to what you're consuming too much of and not enough of. I stand by my philosophy that most foods can be enjoyed in moderation and I want you to know moderation is very nuanced. Unless it's causing you harm, then there are definitely foods that I have my clients submit for some time or we chat that maybe it might be a lifelong circumstance where the food is creating inflammatory response causing autoimmune responses or chronic gut problems. However, there are foods that all of us should eat less of, right? So highly processed foods with no nutritional value. Yes, there's a time and a place for an occasional high sugar treat, but I don't believe that it should be normalized, right? Eating ice cream on Sundays or every night for your body is not normal. We might want it to be, that might be how we grew up or what we were exposed to, but your body is saying, no, thank you. You're just not listening. The foods you eat on a daily basis build your body. Do you want to be a pizza or a chip? Probably not. The foods you eat also build your gut microbiome. Are they building a healthy environment full of happy fiber-loving bugs or the sugar-loving bugs? I also like to talk about the differences between processed foods versus highly processed foods because there's a lot of processed foods out there that sometimes are okay to have and not harmful for you, like peanut butter, right? It's a process, but it's not going to cause you hurt unless you're actually allergic to it. If the product contains foods that you know and recognize and could buy in the store to make yourself, I think it's a go. Great. You can make it, but you don't want to, or you don't have the time. Buy it, sure. But foods that have long shelf lives, a lot of ingredients that you can't say, nor could find in the store yourself to make the product, maybe you should put it back on the shelf. So you probably know where I'm going with food stress by now. So let's get to it. What types of foods are causing your body stress and why? First, sugar. Oh gosh, I love sugar. I wish I didn't, but I've always had a sweet tooth. But like you, my body just doesn't love sugar. Just my taste buds. Just the bacteria in my gut that are overgrown. Just the dopamine in my brain. Sugar is at the top of the list, causing you stress. It causes you to actually feel stress. Isn't that so weird to think about? But next time you have something that's high in sugar, I want you to actually like feel how you feel about the stress in your body an hour later. Sugar hijacks the gut microbiome. 
and the gut is directly connected to your brain where stress begins. When you eat sugar, it's absorbed into your bloodstream and then insulin is released to shuttle the sugar into the cell where it can be used for energy. When there's a lot of sugar, a lot of insulin is released and often it overshoots and it will crash your blood sugar. This leads into the ups and downs of blood sugar and throws off your HPA axis. Your HPA axis is where the signal for cortisol release comes from. This is the fight or flight feeling or your anxious feeling. When your blood sugar comes crashing down for the high, you feel hangry, you feel out of control, you feel anxious, and you reach for more sugar to release the low blood sugar feeling. You might not feel low blood sugar, you might just actually think you're hungry, even though you just ate. Then your blood sugar is high again, and everything starts over. You have the constant up and down, and you never give your body a chance to calm down, so you just feel chronically anxious. Sugar lights up your brain with dopamine. Dopamine feels good. It feels relaxed. It feels happy. But this is a short-term solution for a long-term problem, and you end up eating more and more sugar. This is also why you crave sugar and why you have sugar withdrawal symptoms. This can lead to feeling like you're out of control. You wonder why you just can't say no to the sugar. It's like someone else is in control of you. And this is actually kind of true with your gut microbiome. One minute you've got control. And then the next minute you're eating a second piece of your kid's birthday cake. The feelings that come from lack of control, guilt, and remorse are actually just another stressor on your body. Okay, next up, alcohol. I have a love-hate relationship with alcohol. Mostly hate, some love. It's getting better with time and as I get older, but for a while, my relationship with alcohol was no bueno. I only cared about feeling good while I drank and I had no care whatsoever how it was impacting my life later that night, the next day, the following days, and months. It's not just a drink when you already have a stressed out body. Alcohol is one of the most common things we consume, but it's not normal. It's not a coping mechanism. It's actually a stress mechanism and it magnifies what's already going on in your body. Sure. You feel better while you drink, but it's just a short time for the longevity of the repercussions. It leads to chronic gut microbiome issues. It exasperates whatever's going on in your gut lining along with anxiety, depression, and actually more mental health problems. There was a study published by scientific reports that showed that people who drank a few times a week had lower total brain volume in early middle age. And this would actually be associated with a lot of the symptoms I see in clients or that you guys talk about, which is having brain fog, poor memory, or mood changes, right? You just snap at your kids and you're like, what the hell just happened? Alcohol is a problem because it feels so darn good while you drink it. You lose inhibition and the ability to stay present and proactive. Everything that comes after you drink alcohol is actually a reaction. You guys know how I feel about reactions versus proactions, right? Reactions are not thought of ahead of time. Reactions are just taking care of what's in front of you right now. When you react, that's not usually for the benefit of the life you truly want to have. It's just for a feeling you have right now. Your mind is now unable to stay with that prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that makes great decisions for yourself. 
I don't know about you, but there's not been a time in my life where I woke up saying, I'm so glad I drank alcohol yesterday. It impacts your ability to get deep restorative sleep. So no matter how many hours you spend in bed, you're not actually repairing your body. In fact, as soon as the alcohol hits your system, your body goes to work removing it. It's a toxin and that becomes your body's priority. Remove the toxin now. The toxin is dangerous. The toxin is not safe. What do we know about safety in your body? That's all it wants is safety. Dangerous is stress. Alcohol is stress. Even when it feels good in the moment, even when you think you're getting a break because you're drinking alcohol, you get to feel good while you're drinking the alcohol, right? It's going to come back twofold the next day. Have you ever heard of anxiety where you have a ton of anxiety the next day after a night of drinking? That's why, right? You're getting double the amount of anxiety than you normally would have. So it actually isn't playing in your favor. So your body goes to work removing all the alcohol and all the other functions that don't have anything to do with keeping you alive right now get put on the back burner. So this would be like muscle building, that workout you did earlier on the day. Nope, body doesn't care about that. Fat loss, oh, you wanted to lose weight? Yeah, body doesn't care about that. How about burning your carbs or your body fat for fuel? Yeah, your body's definitely not going to do that because now it needs to burn the alcohol for fuel. So the food you eat on top of the alcohol you're drinking is actually stored for fat immediately. Here's some really good statistics about one month of being alcohol-free. 71% of people sleep better. 67% have more energy. 38% lose weight. 57% have better concentration. And 54% report having better skin. When we stop giving our body toxins, it's able to heal and you get to feel the effects of it. I rarely tell someone that they shouldn't be drinking alcohol. I just educate you and let you make the decision. But even after educating some people and they still want to lose weight so badly, they say they will do anything, but they won't give up their nightly drink or two. These women, unfortunately, rarely move on to be successful. Why? Because their bodies never have a chance to heal or catch a break. When we aren't restoring ourselves at night from drinking, our bodies are fighting against a strong toxin. Your body can't keep its head above water. And now you're asking your body to lose weight on top of it. It's probably not going to happen. Now, I don't have rules around alcohol. I don't have rules around anything. Um, But one of the things that I like to tell my clients and myself when I choose to consume alcohol is that we do the same thing with alcohol that we do with food. You decide what, you decide when, you decide how much before you start drinking. And then once you do all of those things, so let's say I am going out with girlfriends, I'm going to have two cocktails, I'm going to have, they're going to be tequila. And usually it's like a tequila and lime and a water or something like that. Um, That will be my drink and then two drinks and then I'm done. And then I have a plan for what I'm going to do after those two two drinks are done. Because if you think you're going to have two drinks and then you're going to be satisfied, you're wrong. And you're going to be sorely disappointed. And then you're going to not expect it. So then you're going to think something has gone wrong. So then you're going to have more drinks, right? Because it feels good. Because if two drinks was good, three drinks is better, right? Always. That's what you're going to tell yourself after you've been drinking. So know what you're going to do after that second drink and then stick to it. A lot of times my option after I 
have my two drinks is I'm going to have uh, either soda water with a lime because it looks like alcohol and nobody asks you about it or I'll have like a LaCroix or I'll just go home because that's really what I need. Okay, next up on the list of foods that cause stress in your body is gluten. Okay, so it's nearly impossible to not hear about the G word all the time these days, right? It's all over, but it's actually for a good reason. Gluten just isn't what it used to be in the U.S. And nearly 1 in 20 Americans have a gluten sensitivity, but most of you don't know it because you're walking around not feeling good, and you think that that's just how you're supposed to feel. Okay. Gluten is difficult to digest compared to other proteins or grains. Its presence in food and your digestive tract can inflame the intestinal lining and it over time loosens the tight junctions of your gut, which already are a problem and not in great shape based on how stressed you are. Okay, your gut lining starts to loosen the junctions with stress, with psychological stress, environment stress, and food stress. When this happens, undigested food particles are released into your bloodstream, causing inflammation and stress in your body. Keep in mind, I'm talking about sensitivity here. I'm not talking about celiac. Celiac is different, where zero gluten can be digested in the body. Again, I rarely cut food groups out, but time and time again, when I have someone who clearly is inflamed from stress, I have them cut out gluten and they just feel so much better. And it's not forever, but giving your body a break from gluten can make you feel so much better. I have been gluten-free on and off now for a couple of years. I started it with when I was walking around and I just kept saying to myself, I just feel like a marshmallow. I didn't look that way, but I felt that way and I couldn't really explain it. And just so you know, this is just general inflammation. So I went on an elimination diet for four weeks and honestly, my life was changed forever. I realized that my body was not tolerating gluten. It also was not tolerating dairy, which I'll talk about next. Once I removed it for a short amount of time, my body was able to rest and restore from the irritating foods that were causing more stress and it healed. And I brought them back in and was able to tolerate again. And I find this to be true for many women under stress. And I use something I call it the, the threshold example. I believe all of us have a threshold for food stress, right? Some of our threshold is like big. We have a big threshold. We can have lots of gluten and dairy. It doesn't cause us problems. But sometimes there are things that happen in our life that start to lower our threshold and it starts to lower and lower and lower. And this can be things like just normal stress, day-to-day stress. It can be job changes. It can be divorce. It can be marriage. It can be buying a house. It can be illness. It can be illness in your family. It can be menopause. It can be perimenopause. It can be pregnancy. It can be postpartum. It can be any sort of hormonal fluctuation. It can be birth control added in. Whatever it the thing is or the things are that add up, it slowly lowers your threshold. And pretty soon, you hit your threshold with gluten and dairy and food stress, food stressors that I'm talking about today. You meet that threshold all of a sudden so much quicker. And all of a sudden you start to feel so much more inflammation than you did before. Like you could have, you didn't even notice any gluten sensitivities before. You didn't notice any dairy sensitivities before, but now you feel them all the time, right? So you've just met your threshold. And so what you need to do is back off of those food stressors for at least four to six weeks and allow your body to move that threshold back up. Give your body the space it needs to be able to heal and restore because you're just meeting that resistance and your body needs a break. That's what it's asking you for. And then when you take them out, 
and you take a break from it and then you slowly bring them back in and see how you react to it, a lot of times you have some more flexibility in that threshold. And then you can have them as much as you enjoy and as much as your body tolerates, right? But just remember that the stressors going on in your life are going to lower that threshold. And so we want to play with them, not against them. Now, I still seem to have food sensitivities, especially to gluten, but I've made really big strides in that I can now have it occasionally and it's actually not a problem. But I know I'm a delicate flower and so is my gut and there will be likely a time soon when I can't tolerate it again and um, I'm okay with that. I don't have a lot of gluten. I have some gluten and I'm happy with that at this point in my life. Now, when I talk about gluten possibly being a stressor for you, this does not mean that you need to run to the gluten-free aisle of the grocery store and buy those foods. No, ma'am. Stay in the perimeter of the grocery store. Do not fall for labeling of gluten-free foods and think that they're a healthy alternative. Far more times than not, they are full of junk and sugar to make them palatable. Gluten is what makes foods taste good and have great texture. When you take it out, you're just left with weird food. Okay. So the industry adds more sugar. So I want you to say no. And I want you to stick with whole foods. We do this in the Live Well Project. We eat less of the not so great stuff and we learn to replace it with the whole foods. When you eat a lot of the great foods in your body, you just have less room of eating crap. Okay. So don't take out gluten and replace it with gluten free foods. Take out gluten and replace it with whole foods. Replace it with the produce section of the grocery store. Next up, dairy. Um, in our toddler years, we produce only a, after our toddler years, we only produce a small amount of lactase, which is needed to digest lactose, the enzyme in dairy. It makes sense that as we get older, we seem to tolerate less dairy, right? You might notice digestive problems like bloating, gas, diarrhea, or constipation. When you notice these symptoms, you can guess that your body is feeling stressed. So removing dairy for a short time and adding it back in, just like gluten, can be helpful to reduce your inflammation. And and then from there, I recommend having it occasionally and maybe not daily. Again, this is a threshold food, food just like gluten. So if, if you're going to have dairy, I recommend having full fat dairy. Because when you have dairy that has been low fat, it's actually been stripped of the nutrients. And if you're going to have dairy, I recommend full fat dairy. When you take the fat out of the dairy, the nutrients are stripped along with it, and then they have to add them back in. That's just not as good as having the nutrients that are naturally there within the fat. Also, the fat that's in the dairy is not bad for you. It's good fat. So please have it and stop trying to escape the fat. Also, A2 cows are better tolerated. Just a little tidbit, if you're from the Sioux Falls area, Stenson's Farms is A2 dominant, and that's great. So if you're going to buy dairy, go with Stenson. Inflammatory oils is the last one I'll talk about, and this is the oils that are actually man-made. So canola oils, margarine, vegetable oils, these oils have a very low smoke point, and once they reach the smoke point, they create inflammation in your body. They're also high in omega-6 and not omega-3. Omega-3 is anti-inflammatory. Omega-6 is pro-inflammatory. They create more stress in your body. You may think, oh, I don't eat those. But just so you know, whenever you eat out, you're consuming those oils. So ask yourself, how often do you eat out? Because you might be consuming them more often than you think you are. So in the Live Well Project, we focus on stress. Not just food stress, 
like we talked about today, but that is a big part of it, right? Because we need to remove all stressors, but psychological and environmental stress as well. We focus on bringing your nervous system down and allowing your body to feel safe. This is going to get your energy improved. This is going to get the pep back in your step. And if you want to lose weight, any weight that's ready to come off will come off in the Live Well Project. And if it's not ready, the Live Well Project will get it ready. All right, friends, enrollment for the Live Well Project is open and you can head to the show notes to enroll and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mindfully Well with Mel. If you're ready to take practical steps to live a more mindful and healthy life, I encourage you to follow along on Instagram. You can find me at Melissa underscore Ike, where I share tips to help women just like you become healthier, lose unwanted weight, and feel well without the extremes and overwhelm. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to continue to create content you love. Finally, please note that the material in this episode is for educational purposes only and is not intended as a replacement for medical advice. Thanks for listening.